They just for the unjust. The unjust is us. The just is Christ. The righteous for the unrighteous. The unrighteous is us. The righteous is Christ. The innocent for the guilty. The guilty is us. The innocent is Christ. Hey! Expiation. Substitute death. What an awesome loving God. That he was so mindful of us. In the midst of all this fall and disappointment, he was still mindful of us. What an awesome God. What a mighty God we serve. What a loving God that in the midst of it all, he still remembered you, you and I. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. This substitute death called expiation. To stand in our place. Jesus stood. He took our place and took the judgment. He became our substitute. The payment of a penalty and punishment for another. And the sin is said to be expiated it is revisited. That sin is revisited with judgment that is falling on a substitute, not on the one that sinned. Aye. First Timothy chapter two verse five it says. First Timothy two five. For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So now, when there was a separation, now sin is defecting from God, rebelling, rebellion from God, transgressing God's law, disobeying God, renouncing God, and is dissolving the judgment of sin. Wages of sin is dead. And when the Lord wanted to connect us back to himself, restore us, then he had to bring the cross in between to bridge and Christ Jesus had to step into our place and die for us to connect us back, as we saw in Revelation chapter 5, to purchase us back to God. Back to God. And he's saying, in so doing, Christ Jesus mediated. He becomes a mediator of fallen men back to their God. So there is only one God. And one mediator. That Christ Jesus paid for the sins of everyone, even those unborn. We'll take a short break. When you come back in five minutes, I'll be right back. And then we'll proceed on in five minutes. Five minutes, we'll be right back. Then I'll start handling regeneration. Thank you. Praise the Lord, my Lord, the mightiest, mightiest prophet, the Lord. Well, our blessed people, again, another opportunity to come to you. And uh, we have seen that in our journey, in our journey to be able to understand this deep role, this very specialized role that the Holy Spirit performs in the life of the Christian believer that has believed Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, has taken him as believe the gospel, the deep work that the Holy Spirit needs to do, the part, the deep clean, we have seen that the journey to it cannot begin anywhere else. This regeneration, rebirth, renewal, spiritual transformation, the creation of a new creature, new creation that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of one that has now believed. It cannot start from anywhere except from sin that we may understand the gravity of sin and how God the Father himself decided to design a plan, a very deep plan, on how to redeem fallen man. Now we have seen substitute death. So can we move on now to look at this regeneration which we saw in the book of Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, beginning verse 4 to 6. Tremendous. So the regeneration, 
renewal and regeneration that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of the believer. What is this? What is this regeneration? Because right now I see the church globally, the church in America, the church in Nigeria and South Africa, the church in Canada, in Kenya, here, Nairobi, wherever. Globally, the church is walking in the old self. I don't see the newness of life being exuded, the new creation that is being, has been drawn to the likeness of Christ. I don't see it in the church. Because the same sins they had in the world, they have simply supplanted, transplanted them. They have simply moved location. They are now committing them in the church. And that's why this is so important, that we may handle this and understand what is this regeneration that the Holy Spirit does, which is a requisite step if you really aspire to enter glory? The church that I saw in the kingdom of glory, worshipping before the throne of God, on that July 29th, the year 2009, that church is a regenerated church. It's a new creation. Her old is gone. Our new came, and she lived through the entire processing of God until she ended glorification. So, regeneration that the Holy Spirit brings is essentially a process by which God Almighty, He bestows spiritual life. Again, it's a process by which God Almighty bestows a beautiful spiritual life to those that believe in Christ Jesus, to believers, in other words. So you see, this becomes very important then. And that's why nobody can ignore the Holy Spirit. Because you are seeing that this is the process of being made spiritually alive. We know that when Adam, I'm going to describe to you the entire process, when Adam and Eve fell to sin, they died, because the wages of sin is death. They died spiritually. It was a spiritual death. That's why you see, they went on, Adam went on to live 900 years after, after the fall. He didn't die physically until the, so long later. But spiritually, he's dead. And that's why you saw the father of the prodigal son in the book of Luke chapter 15 when he says, this my son was dead, but is, now, but is now alive. Was dead, but is now alive. Not physical death. If he was dead and physically dead, he would not be there. But he had fallen to sin, which is equivalent to death. And we're going to look today, we're going to look at this spiritual death. What is it? Hallelujah. So regeneration, that you see the river trickling from under the temple in Jerusalem, in Ezekiel 47, and that the waters of that river begin to increase, and their streaming begins to storm greater and deeper as they move down the Araba Valley towards the Dead Sea. And wherever they go, they bring life. Everything comes to life. They bestow life. That river, the waters of that river, they bestow life. Wherever that river reaches, it bestows life until it reached the Dead Sea and brought it back to life until it was bustling with life. A lot of fish, a lot of different kinds of fish, a lot of vegetation and fruit trees with many fruits and good leaves. That action of regenerating or making a new, recreating the Dead Sea that we see in Ezekiel 47, happening now in the life of man, fallen man, executed by the life-giving stream of God, life-giving waters of God, life-giving spirit of God. That's what we are looking at tonight. The true salvation of Christ. This is what I wanted to bring you yesterday. And I took it for granted that you understood this and went straight to talk about regeneration. But I realized I need to come back to basics. Regeneration. That river trickling, the water trickling from under the temple, the presence of God from the altar, 
in Jerusalem and going down the Arabah Valley and renewing life, bringing life wherever it goes and resurrecting, bringing a new, a newness of life in the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea that is resurrected and the one that was dead are two different. One is a new creation with a lot of fish, different kinds, a lot of fruit trees at the banks of the shores, delicious for food. The Holy Spirit of God regenerating fallen man. So this process of regeneration is so key. That's why the prophecy Jesus gave in Matthew 25. When he said, the foolish church, the foolish virgins that did not receive the Holy Spirit will not enter. That prophecy is not yet fulfilled. It's hanging over the earth here. And he says that the wise church, the wise virgins who took the Holy Spirit, understood his value, understood his role, understood his duty, understood that the Holy Spirit is the central principle in the redemption of man. And they received him and honored him and worshipped him and praised him. They entered the wise church in that prophecy. So what is the regeneration that the Holy Spirit brings into the dead sea, into the life of the dead life on the earth? Dead man, men have died, wages of sin is death. What is that regeneration? What is that process that the Holy Spirit plays very central to create for the new creation? He says it is the process by which God Almighty Yahweh bestowed a beautiful, he bestowed a beautiful spiritual life to those that believe, believe. They have believed Jesus. They have faith, they have received Jesus. And he says, it is essentially a process of being made alive spiritually. Hey, that means we were spiritually dead. No wonder we could not comprehend spiritual matters. He says, it's a process of being born again. I. That means this is the most important aspect of God's redemptive plan that now you may accept and be processed through by the Holy Spirit. I. And that's why Jesus talking to Nicodemus, the professor of law, he told him, I tell you the truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you. When Jesus says verily, verily, in other words, he says this one is so important, tax this one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. And if you look back, if you look back in the Old Testament, you see rudiments, you see some foreshadowing of this event, of this being born again. For example, in Numbers chapter 21, verse 9, when he put the serpent, he raised the serpent, the Lord raised forth the serpent, and he asked everybody to focus on the serpent when the snake bites you. By faith looking there, and they were saved. Pointing on this hour, pointing to this hour, where by faith, if you believe, then God Almighty initiates a process through the Holy Spirit of bestowing a beautiful spiritual life to you that believe. Believe in Jesus. We all know that Adam... Adam before the fall, he had a soul, the body housing the soul and the spirit. The body is the temple, the house of the soul, the habitation of your soul and the spirit that Adam had, the spirit of man. But when you turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, blessed people. He says the following, verses 16 and 17. Genesis 2, 16, 17. 
He says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely and conditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree of the knowledge and recognition of good and evil you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat from it, you shall must, you shall most suddenly die because of your disobedience. Look at the command that he gave them. The command that he gave Adam and Eve. So before they fell to sin, Adam has a body housing the soul of man and the spirit of man. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, then now their body housed the soul. But the spirit died. No spirit. They became spiritually dead. Did you understand why the process of regeneration is very powerful? Executed by the Holy Spirit. Now the body with the flesh and the sinful desires of the flesh loaded in there. And the soul but the spirit died. So they are left with a conscience. With the awareness, the knowledge of evil and wrong, and good and wrong, right and wrong. That they attained by touching the other tree. The spirit died. The fallen state. And that is why everybody that's born of Adam and Eve from the lineage ever since then. Anyone on the earth born is born dead. The unbelievers are spiritually dead unless they are redeemed. They are saved by God through this wonderful process of regeneration. Through the salvation of Jesus. That's why the unbelievers the heathen, those who are not born again cannot comprehend, can't comprehend the matters of God because they are spiritually dead. No spirit. They have a conscience of the knowledge of right, right and wrong, good and evil. They have a soul. They have a flesh which is always craving for sin with a serious drive for evil. But they are spiritually dead. And that's why the definition of this process is the regeneration, is the role of the Holy Spirit of being, making a Christian spiritually alive again, spiritually alive, being born again, being made alive spiritually. The process by which God Almighty bestows upon a believer spiritual life, the process by which God Almighty bestows a beautiful spiritual life to those that believe Jesus. Now you can see, spiritually dead, I'm born again. But when you become born again, you enter the restored state, restoration. Well now, you have the body the soul, you retain your conscience, but now the human spirit is resurrected. Your spirit is resurrected. You are, you are given a new spirit. Your spirit is now alive, resurrected. But the difference is that now the Holy Spirit also moves in and begins to indwell you. The indwelling. The infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is what was being said 
five. Hey. When you receive Christ, you become born again and restored. Now the spirit, your spirit is resurrected. From being dead, now alive. Your soul is there. Your conscience remains. The flesh is still there. And the Holy Spirit now moves in also in this process of regeneration. And then you become born again, which means you are spiritually made alive. So let's be very careful. It's a spiritual process. Salvation is spiritual. So when you look at the present-day church, and you see that she's still loaded with the sins of the world, and she's living a more physical life, she does not know how God speaks, then you have a serious problem in your hands. Oh, being born again is essentially being made alive spiritually. It's essentially God giving you spiritual life, a beautiful spiritual life because you believe the gospel. You have received Jesus. And yet in the Old Testament, we had cases of Bezalel. God infilled them. But that was for a short time and for a purpose. But we are now talking about the redemption of man. Salvation of man from sin. In the Old Testament, if you look at Exodus 31, 2 and 5, Bezalel, there are some people that were filled with the Spirit of God, but that was for special purposes for a short time. I'm talking about regeneration. Being born again, the new creation being created. And this brings us straight to what Jesus said about regeneration. That takes us right away to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself said about regeneration. The book of John chapter 3. Turn with me to John chapter 3 right away. We read from the beginning from verse 1. What Jesus himself said about this process of regeneration. He says, now there was a certain man among the Pharisees. We know who the Pharisees were. They were high-ranking people. It was a sect. They worshipped and they were legal. They, they focused on the law. They were self-righteous. They followed the righteousness by the law. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a member of the Sanhedrin. That's a very high-ranking person. There were only 70 in the whole of Israel. And they met in the council, the ruling council. They are the rulers of Israel. They governed and ruled the nation. A member of the Sanhedrin among the Jews, who came to Jesus at night. At night, why? Because of his very high rank. He felt humiliated if he would surrender, come in the day. As in, look, we are lost. We are looking for help. And they were against Jesus. So he had to come at night also to avoid persecution. Who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, master, we know that without any doubt that you have come from God as a teacher. So he was essentially saying that Jesus has come from heaven. For no one can do these signs, these wonders, these attesting miracles that you do unless God is with him. They could tell the miraculous works of God, of their God, Jehovah. Unless God is with him. Verse 3 of John chapter 3. Jesus answered him, Assuredly, again, sorry, I assure you, and most solemnly say unto you, that unless a person is born again, reborn from above, do you understand the regeneration? Born again, 
reborn from above. Do you understand the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, regenerating a Christian, bringing to life your spirit, giving you a spiritual life. And he says, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly, I assure you and most solemnly say unto you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. That was so serious because... They are waiting for the kingdom in that part of the world. Cannot see the kingdom of God. Sometimes you say cannot see heaven. But you know that there will be this heaven and the current earth will pass away and the new heaven will come and go. We are talking about the kingdom of God. That one is everlasting. Cannot see the kingdom of God. Amazing. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that he must be born again. That unless anyone, someone is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, he was saying Nicodemus is dead spiritually. The unbelievers are dead spiritually. The heathen are dead spiritually. Those who are still in the dark world who have not yet repented and received the gospel, they are spiritually dead. And you have to be made spiritually alive to partake, partake of the spiritual kingdom of God. And he told him, verse 4, Nicodemus asked him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's stomach, his mother's womb a second time and be born. Can he? Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. That is now the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit that we are focusing on today. The specialized role of God the Holy Spirit to regenerate Make a spiritual transformation, renewal, rebirth. To make a life spiritually. Born of water, born of the spirit. And in this, Jesus has not mentioned baptism. He has not. He has not mentioned baptism here. Meaning there's a deeper working of the Holy Spirit. So deep insight in the unseen realm, in the inward that should be able to create a new creation. Baptism may be connected to it. Definitely. Hey. So the water is applied here. So you say born of water is essentially meaning the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, born of water, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The life-giving spirit of God. And that's why yesterday we read from Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel 36. Turn with me there. This sprinkling by water. Ezekiel 36. We are reading 25 and 26. Ezekiel 36, once you get there, go to verse 25. And he says the following. Then he was talking about Israel, what he intends to do for Israel, to Israel when he comes, to redeem them. His redemptive plan for them, what is about to happen, what will happen soon. What is ahead of us here? He says, then I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. That water, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'll cleanse you from your uncleanness and from all your idolatries, your idols. Moreover, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove your heart of stone from your flesh. 
and give you a heart of flesh. For this is the process of regeneration that the Lord is mentioning here that the Christian has to go through. The believer must go through. Otherwise, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Otherwise, you live in perpetual sin. You see a new heart, create a new heart, meaning the new creation that now lives in the newness of life. And he says you create a new spirit in them and you, uh, you bring their spirit to life so they will live spiritually again. And the Holy Spirit will also move in, indwell them and cause them to follow his decrees. And he said, and cause them to follow his decree. 27 said, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you keep my ordinances. And you do them. That is the regenerating power, the central role, the special supreme duty of the supreme Holy Spirit of God in transforming a total sinner, a fallen person from the world, that you see in Mark chapter 7, verse 20, 21, 22, 23. The fallen person that you see in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 19, the fallen nature that you see in the book of Titus chapter 3, verse 3. This is the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit that is able now to create a new creation with a newness of life. Now, you are now walking the ways of God. And that's why you find somebody today is with women, is in sexual immorality, is drinking a lot of alcohol, is very abusive. And when he receives Jesus, the next day is weeping. He's throwing the pornography in the fire. He's tearing the clothes. If it's a woman, she's burning her miniscuit and she's weeping and she's burning the pornography magazine and she's now worshiping God. There is a regenerating work that the Holy Spirit does in the heart and the life of the believer. We must allow him to do this work. He must be allowed. And that's why in the same John chapter 3, you see verse 3, look at that. In verse 3, John chapter 3. The same John chapter 3. Turn with me back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You see, that's why in John chapter 3 verse 3 it says, Jesus answered him, I assure you and, sol- and most solemnly say unto you, unless a man is born again, unless a person is born again, is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. And in verse 5 again, verse 5 he says, Jesus answered, I assure you, and most solemnly say unto you, unless one is born again, verse 7 also, do not be surprised that I have told you that you must be born again three times. He's discussing, he's engaging this professor, Nicodemus, professor of law. But three times he emphasizes on being born again, the regenerating work of God, the Holy Spirit. He said, you need him. You will need him. It's a must need for you to enter the kingdom of glory. It's a must. A must. Hey, Jesus is saying that the church must be born again. The present-day posted church must, must, M-U-S-T, capital letters, underline, must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The being born again is now the work of the Holy Spirit doing his principal duty in transforming you and washing you with the water which is the spirit of God, cleansing you and giving you a new spirit, giving you a newness of life, giving you a new spiritual life, born again, and preparing you for the kingdom of glory. And you see in verse 9, Nicodemus said unto him, How can these things be possible? Nicodemus was perplexed. A whole professor, 
Nicodemus definitely knew the Tanakh. He knew the Torah, definitely. And he must have known where the serpent was raised. And everybody was by faith. When a, a snake bites you by faith, focus on the serpent. And those that believed, they lived, even if they were beaten by the snake. The snake bites you, even if they were beaten by the snake. Snake, by faith, they believed and they lived. So Nicodemus should have understood this. He read the Torah. He read the Torah. And he goes on to say, verse 10 of John 3, Jesus replied, You are the great and well-known teacher of Israel, and yet you do not know, nor understand these things from Scripture. I assure you and most solemnly say unto you, we speak only of what we absolutely know and testify about what we have actually seen as eyewitnesses. And still, you reject our evidence and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things, that is the thing that happened right here on the earth, and you do not believe, how will you believe and trust me if I tell you heavenly things? He says, you should have faith. You are a teacher of the Tanakh, the Torah, the Hebrew book. And you should have known in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verse 9, but by faith, look up. If a snake bites you by faith and you leave God, by faith, a clear demonstration, the clearest demonstration of faith in the Old Testament, in that life. And he goes on to say, verse 13, no one has gone up into heaven, but there is one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man himself, whose name is in heaven, rather whose home is in heaven. Hallelujah. Tremendous. You are the teacher of the law, the teacher of Israel. He was not one of the teachers. He was the principal teacher of Israel. No wonder he came at night out of Shem. He was talking about Jesus being raised on the cross and whosoever will believe him, focus on him, will not die, will not continue being dead, but will live afresh, live anew, live a new life, be born again. And the Lord Jesus emphasized to Nicodemus, believe, believe, believe. Look at verse 15. So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son, that was forever believed the second time. Verse 18 also. Believe. Whoever believes. He was crying out to Nicodemus to believe. The teacher of the Tanakh. The teacher of the Torah. The teacher of Israel. The principal teacher of Israel. Has the present day church believed that they can get a new creation? That can they, they can live a new a new life. Has the present day church believed that they can abandon sin and the Holy Spirit walk in them and get a newness of life? Entering the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so in Ephesians chapter two, verses five and five, 
Ephesians chapter 2, 4, and 5. We can read the entire chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5. And it says, Ephesians chapter 2, turn with me there. Ephesians 2. He says, made alive in Christ. And you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead. Look at that. That if you don't receive Christ in the fallen nature of Adam, you are dead spiritually. That's why the father of the prodigal son, the lost son, when the son came back, he said, this my son was dead, but he's now alive. Not that he was physically dead, but he was spiritually dead. When you fall to sin, as the present day church has done, you become spiritually dead. And that's why you see that there is no spiritual life in the present day church. When you fall to sin, you become spiritually dead. The book of Ephesians chapter 2, made alive in Christ, he says, from verse 1. From verse 1. And you he made alive when you are spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sin in which you once walked. You are following the ways of this world, influenced by the present age, in accordance with the prince of the powers of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Verse 3 says, Ephesians chapter 2, among these unbelievers, we were well among these unbelievers. We all once lived in the passion of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self and flesh, indulging in the desires of the human nature and flesh, without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful nature of the flesh and the mind. We were by nature children under the sentence and judgment of God, God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God being so very rich in mercy and compassion and pity and kindness because of his great and wonderful, his great, because rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us. Even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ by his grace, his undeserving favor and mercy. You have been saved from God's judgment. Look at that, beautiful. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Look at that. The regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. That the one who believes gets eternal life. The one who believes enters the kingdom of God. The new heaven and the new earth the eternal state, they evade judgment. That they are spiritually dead, but they are made alive now, living together with Christ, alive with Christ, by faith, spiritual alive, new creation. Holy Spirit now come upon their lives. Do you believe? And Nicodemus believed. That's why when Jesus died, then you hear that Nicodemus and Joseph of Aramai, Aram, 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 Nicodemus and Joseph, they went, and such a senior person like Nicodemus took the dead body of Jesus and went and buried him. Nicodemus believed. Has the present day church believed? And so, we will handle justification. We will handle justification and the imputation of God's righteousness to you. 
And you will see that justification essentially addresses the unrighteousness of man. And justification, you will see when we do that, is the process. God's plan by which God declares you believers righteous. He declares you righteous because you are believed. That when you believe in Christ Jesus, our Savior, God now declares you justified by faith. He declares you righteous by faith. And by the way, that does not mean that you are righteous. Until now, he has to do what we call imputation, to credit you with the righteousness of God. You see in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. So there is a process in the Christian salvation, blessed people. God now imputing his righteousness on you. That is the next step. Then we go to adoption. And then we go to glorification in the eternal state. God assigns you his righteousness in this imputation after justification. When you are justified, you are still a sinner. He has simply said you are, he does not look at your unrighteousness. But he has, to impu- he has to credit you with the righteousness of God. The only righteousness that is acceptable before God. Then you will be declared righteous before God. Righteous by faith. Righteous by consignment. By credit. By imputation. God giving you his own righteousness. Turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 9 it says. Philippians 3 verse 9. He says, this is what I was meant to bring you yesterday. But the Lord chose to bring it today. And may be found in him believing and relying on him, not having any righteousness of my own derived from my obedience to the law or its rituals, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God the Father himself on the basis of faith. That's now the imputation of righteousness to you after justification. And if you turn also the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, he says the following. You can read the entire chapter at your time, but verse 16, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, he says the following. He says, Yet we know that a man is not justified and placed in right standing with God by works of the law, but only through faith in God's beloved Son, Christ Jesus. And even we, as Jews, of course, then, and even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. By observing the law, no one will ever be justified or declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty. But if while we seek to be justified in Christ by faith, we ourselves are found sinners. So that is now talking about the current fall in the church from verse 17. But verse 16 is very powerful. The justification and the imputation, the the crediting of righteousness, the consignment of the righteousness of God, righteousness of God that comes, that now makes you righteous before God and qualifies you now for adoption into sonship. That you may now eventually enter the family of God preparing for glorification. It's important to subject yourself to the workings of the Holy Spirit. I am stopping here tonight. If anybody wants to receive the Lord, repeat after me. Say, mighty Lord Jesus, I repent totally of all sin. 
and receive in my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, my Lord Jesus, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, that he may purge me and that he may bring his deeper work, the deep cleaning and the regeneration of a new person, the creation of a new creation in me. I surrender to the Holy Spirit and that I may continue seeking him on a daily basis, that I may live a spiritual life and bear forth the spiritual fruit worthy of the salvation of the grace. I've received you today, my Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, turned away from sin. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again, amen. Thank you.